Hi everyone, welcome to Plot of Cultura. My name is Natalia. I will be guiding you through this podcast today. This should be episode seven by now, which is kind of crazy that we've already come out with seven episodes. So if you're new to the podcast, this is a podcast made by LFTA, the Latinx Film and Theater Association. And we basically decided to start a podcast because during coronavirus, we weren't able to come all together and produce one of our you know, greatest productions of the year, Night of Cultura. So we decided to make a podcast where you know, we could all like come together as a club and share our experiences really related to film and theater and kind of to educate our listeners. So without further ado, for this week, we are planning on talking about Latinx films and representation in Latinx cinema, Latinx directors, screenwriters, and anything Latinx related in the industry. We'll introduce ourselves. So again, my name is Natalia. Everyone in the club basically calls me Nat. I'm a second year film and television major at UCLA. Basically, I joined the org just because I wanted to meet other Latinx people that are interested in film and I really want to go into screenwriting and cinematography, and then I'll let everyone else introduce themselves. Hi, uh, my name is Maria. I actually graduated from UCLA back in June. I was a psychology major with a double minor in Chicano studies and film, television, digital media. So I joined LFTA because I wanted to like have a chance to be creative with other Latinos so that we can put our stories out there into the world and it became a really cool family. Our stories are just being told through us. Hi my name is Leslie and I'm a fourth year film major. I do screenwriting and animation stuff and yeah I just joined this this group because I really wanted to be actually like involved in something you know with it being my fourth year and like with COVID and everything I was like dang this is it like this is the whole like college experience I'm gonna have so I thought that you know it'd be nice to get involved with something creative and maybe like learn more about you know Latinx film and stuff like that I was really surprised too like LFTA does a lot of stuff very productive group and I think it's super fun so I'm, I'm really happy to be here yeah so this episode it's kind of the first one where we actually talk about film and Latinx film we've been talking about spooky stories everything October just because we just came out of spooky season but I think now we are getting to the point where it's time to talk about film so I think just just to get to know everyone a little bit better, what are some of your guys' favorite films? And, you know, specifically talking about the Latinx community, any Latinx screenwriters or directors that really stand out to you? I guess one film that I just recently saw that has become, I guess, one of my favorites. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called Ya No Estoy Aquí, a film by uh, Fernando Frias de la Parra. And I thought it was just like a really, like, it was just a really cool film. It was just a lot of like kind of little things that you can catch in there. Have you guys heard of the film? Is it on Netflix? I feel like I've heard of it. Yeah, it's it's on Netflix. It's also I get it's also like it like follows a 17-year-old guy who lives in Monterrey. His name is Ulises. Basically, it's kind of like talking about 
this period of time that it, it was kind of like a trend that came and, and went about like um, they were called like the Colombias like they were really into cumbia music and they were kind of grouped into like groups basically mm -hmm. um, and there was like a misunderstanding uh, with a, a gang and then there was a shooting it's it's like I don't want to give away everything if you guys haven't watched it but uh, right. he he basically has to immigrate into the U.S. and it kind of just follows his story of him trying to keep his identity of what he thought it like his identity was so grounded in that of being a part of his group back in Monterrey and that like trying to keep that while in a strange land and trying to defend it. I did see another interview, not an interview, but a discussion that Guillermo del Toro and uh, I believe it's Alfonso Cuaron had mm -hmm. um, talking about that. And I thought it was really interesting. And I think from... I, I had started watching that or had watched part of that film, but isn't like a big kind of like the main plot of it is he becomes friends with, I think, a Chinese American girl, right? Yeah, when he comes over here. yeah, Right. And it's like she's she's trying to show him around basically how to live in the U.S., which I thought mm -hmm. was it, I thought it was really interesting because it just it kind of reminded me of that friendship duo that no one would expect but really that only films can bring into existence if you know what I mean so mm -hmm. I thought I thought the whole plot itself was just extremely unique and just told a really special story so now I really want to rewatch it again just because I know it has something really special in it but yeah I know you had mentioned Alfonso Cuaron and he is probably my favorite director period and I think he has so many amazing films. I really like his earlier films, but I think my ultimate favorite one that he's done so far is Roma. And that just, it really hits home for me because I was born in Mexico City. My family's from Mexico City and the film takes place in Mexico City basically when, you know, my dad grew up there. So watching it kind of reminds me of home a lot. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like um, my mom, especially, also like really connected to it because it's her generation, and you know, obviously Alfonso Cuarón's generation is basically his own kind of autobiography right. that centers around his maid and everything, and it and it really captures the the time of like Mexico in the 1970s. Yeah. So for our listeners, if you don't know what the story is about, basically the plot is about this. She's she's a nanny for a rich family, a high middle class family in Mexico City. Her name is Cleo, and she's I guess the in indigenous origins. It's about her relationship with the family, basically, and everything that the family goes through, and how Cleo basically becomes part of this family and like Leslie said it's it's kind of based off of Alfonso Cuaron's story and he, basically what his memories as a child when you know when he was living in Mexico City because it's it's normal in Mexico if you're of a high middle class family to have a nanny and a maid and usually that nanny raises you since you're a child so in a sense they basically become a mother figure to you so that's basically what this film is about I think 
just that film has so many special elements to it. So I highly recommend. But Leslie, I don't know, what's your favorite Latinx film, if you have any specifically? So I think, honestly, my favorite Latinx film is, it's not super well known, but it's called Central Station. And it's from Brazil, not Hispanic, but Latinx, you know, uh-huh. it's something that I can come back to. And like every time I feel something, it's just like a really rich story. Basically what happens in it is there is, you know, this train station, everyone goes through it and everyone has their own stories. Right. And there's this one retired teacher named Dora. And she's played by Fernanda Montenegro. I think she got an award for it too. So yeah, she's this retired teacher and she has to write letters for people who are illiterate in order to make extra money and make ends meet. So then one day there's this like mother and her child that like write a letter to this like husband that like left. After they leave, the kid gets distracted by his toy he like walks over to get it and the mom gets hit by a bus and dies. So, uh, so then, uh, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's kind of a hard film to find, but so then the teacher has to, I guess this is my problem now. Mm-hmm. And so it follows the story of like him wanting to find his father. Wow. You know, I've never heard of that story before or that movie, but dang, now I really want to watch that. Um, yeah, it's an incredibly dark. Like I, I just went over the first few minutes of it, so like, I didn't go too deep into it. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, it's just an incredibly dark, gritty film. Like everything that can go wrong goes wrong, yet you still feel like happy and like you feel this like hopefulness at the end. And it's just, uh, it's very sentimental. It's a very yeah. good drama film. And you said it was Brazilian, right? Yeah. Yeah. Came out um, in 1998. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many, I don't really know a lot about Brazilian films, but the one film I know, it's it's pretty well known if you're a cinephile, but it's called City of God. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yeah, I've seen I've part seen. of that one. Oh my God. We need to finish it. it. It's a fantastic film oh my gosh just just thinking about it I'm like getting chills there's so many stories out there that are just kind of hidden kind of like City of God I feel like and all the films that we've been talking about but yeah that's another Brazilian film that are one of the only ones I really know about um that's a very good one to know (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 it's it's really good but I think what's interesting about kind of all the films that we've been talking about And I feel like this is kind of a unique quality to just Latinx films in general. They're not like your big Hollywood blockbusters. I don't feel like you find really that many type of action, you know, adventure films in Latinx cinema. It's mostly just stories of individuals, unless I'm wrong. But that's that's kind of what I've just thought about just now and kind of, you know, going through like all the Latinx films that I've you know, scene, it's, you know, you don't really find anything like the Avengers or anything like that. It's more just, yeah, I guess about journeys, individual people, their stories, and overcoming their challenges. I, I do agree with you that a lot of stories are like, which I think is really unique and just like to be able to 
um, connect with these characters at a personal level. I do want to point though that I don't know if you guys, you know, I'm pretty sure you guys have heard of like Robert Rodriguez and like his stories are often pretty action packed, which I think is cool. I think especially for me personally, I guess growing up with like something like Spy Kids, I know it's like probably not like super like, you know, but like Spy Kids was like just growing up and seeing that. I remember like hearing the name like their last name was Cortez and to yeah. me like that was so cool because like was, I just don't know how to explain that like yeah, it was yeah. just you you definitely felt a connection to them like I think that's the most basic way to explain it but I I like I completely understand what you mean I I guess it's it's kind of like seeing not only like people that who are Latino but like kids who are Latino like and just with a lot of his other films are also like I guess he's the director that most movies that I've watched before I guess like you know like El Mariachi, um, Desperado, uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico right like yeah. a lot of those like it's also cool to see those kinds of things because I know that in Hollywood it's a lot of like you know mainstream media is like sometimes like you know a lot of action like you said like Avengers and things like that mm-hmm. and to see like Latinx people also doing those roles is also cool like just to see them in those roles that sometimes can often just be taken by a lot of white actors right yeah I completely agree with you yeah it wasn't like Wizards of Waverly Place it was like a Latino family yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember though there was one episode where I was just I was just totally cringed and kind of disappointed. I think Alex, so Selena Gomez's character, was learning Spanish from her mom. And like the whole time I was just thinking to myself, how come she doesn't know like Spanish already, right? Like, or she was kind of like making fun of the language. I think that's that's kind of what had made me upset. Like I remember vaguely she like held up a cup and her mom was like asking her, how do you say it in Spanish? And she goes, um... Capito. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she did not just say that. And it kind of like hurt to watch that. You just like cringed into the fifth dimension. I was like, (laughs) that's the most, that's the whitest thing you probably could have said. And like, that just like, you know, kind of like disrepresented Latinx culture in a way. I mean, it's weird. It can happen, right? Like that, like over, over generations with like second generation, third generation immigrants. um, Right. Like the language can just go away. Mm-hmm. Like I, I even though in my own home my parents spoke Spanish and stuff, but then my siblings they would speak English around each other because everyone went to like an English school, obviously. Right. And like I just I'm the fifth kid, so as the youngest person, I ended up kind of learning the least Spanish because like I never had to actually know Spanish. Right. Um, and I had to like actually take like Spanish classes to like regain it and like actually learn the vocabulary and like grammar and stuff so mm-hmm. it's just it's just weird like because it's like I really hope that I can be more fluent and like have my own children be fluent as well mm-hmm. but it's like some some families they'll just like lose the language or something yeah yeah and I think with that episode that you were talking about like yeah like Leslie was mentioning sometimes the language just is is lost over generations but in the episode it almost seemed like she she didn't want to learn the language like she was rejecting her culture rather than like 
making the effort to try and get to like know it you know it's not your fault when you don't grow up learning Spanish but like don't reject your culture outright yeah for sure it's just really cool to like grow up in like multiple cultures Mm -hmm. I don't know why anyone would like reject one side you know right yeah Mm -hmm. it just makes you want to immerse in it even more so yeah I know exactly what you mean yeah kind of leading into misrepresentations of Latinos in in entertainment in general are there any other like films tv or anything like that that you can think of that do something some like misrepresent latin latinx people i guess just one film that just came to mind it doesn't i don't know if it necessarily directly misrepresents latinx culture and community but i think there are situations when you know latinx representation behind the camera isn't always accurately represented in front of it i don't know if you guys have seen the film la bamba the movie about uh it's about yeah 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 so something that I had just learned I think last year in my English class we had kind of studied the film which was kind of interesting for an English class but something that I had found out is the director is he's a Chicanx director Luis Valdez so he has kind of the the background he understands where you know, Richie Valens comes from, you know, growing up in California among Latino family. But what I found surprising was the guy who played Richie was actually a Filipino American actor named Lou Diamond Phillips. So that kind of just left me questioning or real kind of like thinking about how it was he the right person to play this role if he was a Filipino American he wasn't Mexican American he wasn't of you know Mexican Latinx origin so I don't know what you guys think about that I think that it's it's really interesting right because like it's not even um the first time that he was casted as someone that's Latinx Right, he ended yeah. up doing like stand and deliver and stuff. I guess Hollywood doesn't really care or something yeah. like that yeah, when yeah, it comes yeah. to like who they actually are. It's like, all right, if you got the face, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting, you know, like you kind of think about how they could have given a chance to so many other actors out there who are probably from, you know, Chicanos who maybe would have been as talented, but they went with Phillips probably because he was, you know, they knew his acting skills. They knew what he was capable of. He had probably played, he, like you said, Leslie, he played a Latino before. It's just an interesting conversation to, to have and just an interesting thing to think about when it comes to representing ethnicities in the future of film. You know, like that's, that's kind of where it starts, you know, by hiring your actors and the people that you work with. Representing representing the same message, I guess, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, at least it wasn't like Scarlett Johansson like, <laughs> in the movie being like, oh, yeah, hello, mijo, I am your mother. <laughs> and I think it also can happen in in the I guess I don't know, I don't know if vice vice versa would be the right thing to say, but like oftentimes directors who aren't Latino or Latinx will try and tell stories of, t- tell Latino, Latinx story. Right, yeah. I guess kind of like an example would probably be when, like, a- Apocalyp- a- Apocalypto would be an example, or Coco, exactly. Yeah, like, Coco. Yeah. I think that's, that there's an example of, like, how I guess it could be done well and how it can be done poorly. Mm-hmm. 
Coco was a big surprise to me because, you know, when I watched it, I didn't really know the backgrounds of the screenwriters or anything. But when I found out that, you know, it was it was American guys, right? White guys that wrote the script. I believe so. Yeah. Um, But I just remember like kind of learning that they had done very extensive research, which props to them for, you know, actually going out and like doing field work in Mexico and like trying to learn the culture but it kind of just a little part of me was like oh you know like this isn't kind of based off of childhood experience or someone who actually based the story off of their own memories but it was still like so well done like I still related to a lot of the concepts and like characters and everything in the film well going off that I think that they did um do a lot of consulting with like people who were Latinx yeah. Um. I don't know where I saw this. I think it was an interview or something like that. That um. Someone had suggested someone who was Latinos had suggested that when the abuelita was like, originally she. I don't know if you guys remember that scene where she's holding like the chancla. Mm-hmm. Um. But originally it was supposed to be another object. But someone who was Latino suggested it be a chancla. And to me, I guess that's a small detail that matters to like me yeah. just because. Like, that's something that is kind of, you know, it hits home. Like, I know that I've seen that, like, it's it's like a joke, I guess, in our community. Like, hola, chancla. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I have some beef with Disney a little bit. <laughs> As someone that, that does animation stuff, I just see how, like, soulless, like, their remakes are and stuff. But, like, with Coco, it's like every single animated film, they have to shoehorn in that, like, narrative, like, look at me I'm so different nobody likes me but look how cute I am you know like every single one like has to be like oh I'm different yeah it's just like it just gets tiring and then um I was watching that movie actually with my mom when we were watching it together you know and they were in like the dead world or whatever we got to that part where like this one guy is like forgotten or whatever and he disappears and my mom's just like they're already dead why do they have to die again yeah (laughs) so yeah I mean like with this stuff it's like yes you know you can have all these people consulting for the film and stuff but ultimately it's controlled by the people that are you know the higher-ups and the people that are trying to get merchandise out of it yeah so it's just like it doesn't feel at the heart of it it, like it doesn't feel entirely authentic because I don't know it's just like Disney's gonna make you know cute little sappy stories so I guess like you know the best thing to do is have more like independent films and stuff like that Mm -hmm. I agree with you with that yeah yeah and I think oftentimes like Latinx creators have to like kind of fight against like the studio to bring that kind of representation to the screen like going back to like Spy Kids I know that Robert Rodriguez really had to like kind of push for them to be a Latino family because I guess the studio higher-ups thought that it wouldn't be like I guess get a lot of attention it it would be I guess too specific and it wouldn't garner a lot of like the audience would be limited um, Mm -hmm. because majority cast was Latino but one thing that Robert Rodriguez I was watching an interview he said that by being more specific you're being more universal and in the end he was successful in making that family be portrayed as Latino period yeah (laughs) I like that that is quote of the century I feel like with entertainment industry there's a big sentiment where it's like oh like why do you want to make this character this ethnicity is it going to serve like are you going to make jokes out of it are you is it going to serve a story element but it's like no it doesn't have to you could just have a character 
be like Latinx or black or whatever, you know, and like they're just them. It's just a person, it's just a character, and they don't have to be like a huge I guess the more the more characters that we have that are just people that don't have to tell their specific jokes and show their specific culture every single time, you can have like a lot more varied storytelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going back to kind of the topic of cartoons, I know we had talked about Coco a little bit. I know there's so many more cartoons out there that I think do an interesting job at Latinx representation, especially for kids. I don't know if you guys want to talk about any of them or have any in mind, specifically TV shows, I think, or just movies in general. One film that really stuck out to me when I was like a kid and I really didn't see a whole lot of like representation in cartoons and stuff, it was... DreamWorks's El Dorado, you know, that, that follows, yeah, it, like, it's like these, you know, mm-hmm. two funny guys from Spain accidentally stow away on this boat that goes to what they call the New World, and I don't know if it ever, like, specifies which, like, group it was, like, whether it was, like, Mayans or Aztecs, or if it was kind of a mishmash, but I just really appreciated that it showed this civilization as something, like, really cool and, like, a place that you would want to go. Like something yeah. very just amazing and like magic and it's like I remember like later I would learn like oh yeah I, th- I believe like the Aztec started Tenochtitlan with like the story like of the eagle that flew onto the lake yeah. and then they just built a huge city onto, onto this lake and then they had all of the crops growing on the lake and it's just like insane like what what amazing like ideas and technology and then the Mayans had like astrology and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, and I just feel like with El Dorado it really showed like some of the really cool parts uh, of I guess Mesoamerican culture and stuff like that yeah and show them not as like what with like Pocahontas where it's like savages oh no they showed it as you know a really cool civilization and even the people that the Spaniards were like oh it'd be cool to just keep living here like not even as gods like they, they they don't think we're gods anymore but just as people. I agree with you completely. Like when I watched it as a kid, I was also like, damn, I want to travel back in time. I want to live like this. But at the same time, like every cartoon movie, it like romanticizes a couple of those things. But correct me if I'm wrong, Leslie, I don't think it was a Disney movie, right? Yeah, I said DreamWorks. DreamWorks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like double props to that, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I think around the same time, Disney was making Emperor's New Groove, which yeah. when I saw that, I like didn't even recognize it as like, it was, I just felt like it was so far like divorced from the culture. Like you could forget that it was like based on the Incan Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I, I did not like, yeah, it was just so different that I didn't, I didn't even realize what like they erased kind of a lot of the culture from it. I just didn't even realize what culture they were trying to be representing. And I think it just, I, I know like I loved the movies as a kid, but now looking back at them, like more involved in film and kind of just looking at representation in both films, like I, I just looked both of them up and like looking at the people who voice the characters, it's, it's slightly disappointing. Like it's basically all white male, white female cast, like an Emperor's New Groove, like Pasha was played by John Goodman and like David's played, <laughs> played Cusco. So, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like, 
you know, that's when you can tell, like, there's still a lot that has to be done when we have, like, proper representation, like, Latinx representation in films, you know? And, like, what we were saying before, like, when you watch Emperor's New Groove, you kind of forget this is about Incan culture, you know? Like, it's Cusco, right? Cusco turns into a Yeah. Lama. Yeah. You kind of forget he's supposed to be in, like, an alpaca or, like, a... You kind of forget. Yeah, I feel like there's... No, it has great stories, but there's still a lot that's missing from the actual representation part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disney in particular has this weird affinity for like turning their characters, like people of color, into like animals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And, and even with this, this new film coming out, Soul. Oh, yeah. It's this like black jazz pianist guy. That's uh-huh. super cool, right? But then he like dies in a way. Yeah. And like, and yeah. so I, I bet you that that film is going to be mostly based on him, like as a little floating blob soul, you know, and, and like he won't get to actually see his life as much. Yeah, I'm kind of mm-hmm. nervous to watch that movie, not gonna lie. <laughs> I think one interesting thing before we started the podcast, Maria had been kind of talking about, I don't know, Maria, you want to bring it up? tell the listeners oh yeah because <laughs> this sounds so cool you guys I'm kind of excited yeah so I guess going off like animation there's like not a lot of representation in general for people of color and it is like talking about animation but also in the anime community and I think it's just really cool this there's going to be this new show it's going to be a Crunchyroll original and it's going to be called Onyx Equinox and I do have like the synopsis here so I'm just going to go ahead and like read that super quickly so it's like a young Aztec boy named Izel is saved from death by the gods and is chosen to act as humanity's champion forced to discard his apathy towards his fellow man and prove humanity's potential in a journey that will take him across ancient Mesoamerica and just to me that is like super cool and just super exciting that it's going to be just a representation like they're going to be such like excuse my language was just badass characters like I can already see it yeah badass characters (laughs) (laughs) yeah just like I don't know I'm like I have no words just because I'm so excited like to see your culture be represented and just like the the culture of so many just like Latinos out there Uh it's just so cool especially when it comes to like ancient like Mesoamerica like that's just yeah (laughs) and I think just like looking at the cast right now and like comparing it to what we were talking about Emperor's New Groove El Dorado you know this is a very you know Latinx represented cast so that's also like another thing that's very inspirational to me and like what you were saying Maria like I'm so excited for this to come out I low-key wish I was like eight years old right now so I could be able to see this watch this movie and kind of look up to it as a child just I'm so excited for like the younger generation to watch this because it looks very promising yeah that looks it seriously looks like so cool and like I just remember like when I was looking at you know old ancient art of like you know Mayan paintings and stuff like that I was always wondering like how would it look like you know if that was adapted into like 3D or like just with other like artistic interpretations and I just feel like it's going to be so cool to like really watch this like mythos and like stories of these like gods and characters and stuff like actually interacting in 2020 you know that's that's just so cool yeah so it's 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 to be coming I think it's um 
it's set to release on November 21st. So it's just going to be really cool. Yeah. Oh, dang. That's soon. Yeah. yeah. So maybe by the time this podcast is out, maybe it'll be dur- during the same time. So everyone listening out there, after you listen to this podcast, go watch that show. Because I know I definitely will. So I think with that, you know, we've we've talked a lot, everything from action films, directors, Alfonso Cuaron, to cartoons and anime. So I think we've given like basic of just some of the Latinx films that are out there with Latinx representation, but there's so many more out there. So, you know, I really want to encourage our listeners to just go outside of your comfort zone when it comes to watching films just because there's so many stories out there that have so many special messages both animation fiction action anything and you'll really be surprised at you know the stories that you come across they can be very meaningful and touching in so many ways so yeah I don't know if you guys have any closing points that you guys would like to make or leave our listeners with support latinx artists yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think you guys put it put it perfectly like we're starting to see more representation and we just need to keep supporting those those creators yeah for sure wait what was the quote again that we uh the the robert rodriguez quote yeah yeah he had said it, it was a part of a quote he said by being more specific you're being more universal all right, so I want all the listeners out there to remember that because <laughs> I found that quote very deep. And so I think it means a lot. So yeah, I think with that, that's gonna let us come to a close to episode seven. I hope everyone out there enjoyed listening to what we had to say about Latinx film representation in the entertainment industry. If anyone has any suggestions out there for any more films that you guys have seen, you know, definitely comment or let us know about them. We'd love to continue this conversation for so many more episodes. So yeah, thank you all for listening. Mm -hmm.